time for another episode of Molly's Lazy Friends. Hello and welcome to Molly's Lazy Friends. I'm Molly Lambert, your host, and joining me today is my guest. Hi, I'm I'm Emma Cunningham. Emma Cunningham! Emma is a programmer, a magician, and my friend. Um, And she's here today because we are going to talk about the show Russian Doll and the coding stuff that she was telling me was interesting, uh, made kind of sense with the narrative, and I said, please explain this on a podcast so other people can hear it. Um, Emma, what did you like about the coding stuff on Russian Doll? Um, so I think it, my favorite joke is the one where she, like towards the end, where she says to Alan, uh, we can just treat this like a bug in software and then we'll do this thing called a unit test and we'll just like keep trying stuff until things work. And he's like, is that a word that I should know? Uh, and I think that captures what I really love so much about the coding stuff is that like, it's not... It's it's very enjoyable if you're in on the joke, but it's also totally uh, like fine if you're on the Allen side of things and you're like, I don't know what's going on. Well, I was curious about that because I feel like, you know, a lot of the times when they're... Sorry, I'll just wait for this truck to drive by. It'll be part of the show. Room <laughs> tone. Uh, yeah, one of the things I feel like in te- when they portray tech in shows a lot, it's very kind of like, we're going to have people say things really fast and maybe not make sense so that it seems like everybody's very smart. Yeah. Um, and you were saying that this stuff does actually make sense. Yeah. Um, which means they did get real coding people to fact check it clearly. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that people like you would not... Be like, that's not how that's that not. works. That's not. We don't do that. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, and I also liked that they captured something about maybe the, the gender dynamics of a, a coding environment. Oh, yeah, totally. I mean, the there have been several times when I've talked to people about that show, and they're like, do you love it? Because she's a lady coder, too. And I'm like, yes, of course. I love it. Because, like, there's, yeah, there's there are many things about that character that are, like, very on the money for me. I'm like, oh yeah, mom issues, a coder. Yeah. Uh, I have that haircut. Yeah. Very much. <laughs> <laughs> and sort of countenance. When she got, when there's a part when she was like, I'm like the girl from Brave and Andrew Dice Clay made a baby. I was like, oh, that's also what I am like. I feel seen. <laughs> um, <coughs> So can you tell me a little more about the coding stuff in terms, like, what is a unit test? Can you explain? Yeah. Uh, so a unit test, and, and it's neat because uh, once you understand the concept, it's like a very apt thing for what's going on in the show. But a unit test is this thing that a practice uh, when you're working on code where basically you think about uh, if you're writing some code that is going to add numbers in a certain way, you think about what all of the various, like, given this input, what the possible outcomes might be. Um, And you write code that basically outlines what you expect should happen. 
Uh, and then you do that's the first code you write before you actually like write the code that's going to do that computation for you. You talk about like if I give you this, I expect this back. Um, and the purpose of it is that like if at some point something else in the program um, is changing things that are unexpected, uh, you are able to figure that out a lot sooner than like if you didn't have those tests in place. So the idea is that like you write those tests first and then like you write your code and then those tests help you kind of figure out what your code should actually be doing. Um, and it is kind of like the process of trying to figure out why you keep dying over and over again. <laughs> yeah. I mean, obviously that is also very video gamey yeah. in general. The idea of like you play the game over and over again. And on that show, they take it to this sort of great Buddhist place of, like, every day is the same day, and you're yeah. just trying to, like, have a different experience than the pre-programmed one, but right. not, maybe not that different. Yeah. Because <laughs> um, then you die. Uh, what else uh, was interesting to you about the coding stuff on Russian Doll? Um, yeah. I mean, I guess going back to, we were talking about the gender thing a little bit, I think, it, that was another like part that was like very on the money in terms of representing what it is like to be a like engineer or a coder right now, especially as a woman. Uh, the there's that part where she like one that like she keeps waking up after this like epic party to Monday morning code review is great. Like that's just like a very like relatable. Oh no. <laughs> um, and that that code review like the those times when you do get to see her go to it, it's like a bunch of bros and they're all like praising each other for their work. And they're like, Oh no, but your code, not yet. It broke. And then she looks at it and she's like, no, Bob broke it, <laughs> but I'll fix it. <laughs> yeah. That is very much like your life. Yeah. In many ways. It's funny too. Cause when I saw that, I was like, this feels to me like it's about comedy writing yeah. You know, and like, just I guess because like Amy Poehler's involved with the show too, I was like, this kind of feels like it's about being like the only woman in a room of men, like making jokes or something. But then I was like, I guess that's every workplace experience. Right. Yeah. For most women. Yeah. Very relatable content. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I was telling our friend Sarah Johnson, who was another, another coder, um, that I was going to do this with you. And we were talking about, I was saying, you know, because they're, in terms of like female coders on screen, you have, now we have Nadia, which is yeah. great. Um, and then you have Cameron on Halt and Catch Fire. Yeah. Uh, and the movie, Paul Verhoeven's L. Yeah. Isabella Huppert. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Isabella Huppert is a, a video game designer yeah. in it. Uh, and that movie is also kind of video gamey in a weird yeah. way. Um, yeah, I feel like uh, it. it's nice to see women being any kind of like creators in a thing. Yes. Is what yeah. made me excited about it. Also, I was excited they made her like a coder instead of, I don't know. I felt like I was like, does she even have to have a job? She seems right. like the kind of person who like wouldn't maybe even have a job. Um, and then for her to be a coder. Yeah. yeah. It was great. Yeah. I, I was also thinking about it in terms of, uh, I enjoyed seeing her, like her version of a female coder. Cause I feel like, a lot of other female coders are like uh, very one-dimensional characters. Right, they're portrayed like they're as like, very like type A. Yeah, like also like girl with the dragon tattoo-ish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, kind of. <laughs> on top of <laughs> like a of Neil things. Stevenson character. Yeah, um, Mo Molly Mirashade's my namesake. <laughs> um, 
who also are characters that I somewhat like see myself in, but uh, I enjoyed that Nadia was just like a person who right. also happened to like, this is her job. She's a coder. Right. Because there was a lot of stuff written at the point where it was like a person who's in tech will be like a futuristic person. Right. Uh, and then it turned out a different way. Yeah. <laughs> where it was like, actually, it'll be kind of like the 50s. Right. But <laughs> you'll still be wearing like uh, wraparound shades and flying in on like a hoverboard. Yeah. Um, and that's what Nadia felt like also. Like, she was coming in on a hoverboard yes. and being like, what's up, nerds? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which is the impulse uh, we all have to repress all the time. Um, yeah, I liked that she was, like, a messy person who also was good at coding. Because I feel like, yeah, I guess Cameron on Halt and Catch Fire is a little bit like yeah. that, too. But, yeah, it was just nice to see them be good at coding. Yeah. <laughs> um, we were also going to talk a little bit about your experience seeing the Northern Lights. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> um, you went to Oslo. Yes. Um, to present a paper? Um, just a conference talk uh, for this programming language. But yeah, I was in Oslo. And then uh, because I was going to be in Oslo, I was like, where in Norway can I see the Aurora Borealis? And uh, I flew up to Tromso, which is in the Arctic Circle. Uh, it's, I think, one of the like most populous cities in the Northern Circle. There's uh, like a lot of uh, activity there. But yeah, there were oh, all these like Aurora Borealis tours that you could go on, where like you hop into a van with like eight people. And then you sit around a bonfire for a few hours waiting for the sky to light up. And then it does. Oh, man. And then everyone is just, like, giggling and <laughs> running around trying to look at them. And it's so cool. <laughs> um, so they don't always appear, right? Like, sometimes the conditions can be bad. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes the conditions can be bad. And, and there's, like, a... It's, like... A spectrum of like quality. So like some nights there can be low solar activity, and so there might you might be able to see them, but they might not be like very dense, not or as colorful. spectacular. What makes yeah. the okay? What makes the Northern Lights? You know everything about this now. Well, <laughs> how does it work? Oh, oh, okay. So the Northern Lights look amazing, and like even if like you didn't understand the science of it it's like wow this is beautiful and incredible i don't know what's going on this is amazing but then when you learn about the science it is uh, it really just humbles you as a person that lives in the universe so the aurora borealis are the result of um electromagnetic activity uh that is the result of like solar energy coming from the actual sun, like originally from the sun, uh, going through the universe and then getting to the Earth's atmosphere. Um, so it's like... Uh, You've already broken my brain. <laughs> <laughs> There's like all of this like uh, magnetospheric uh, stuff that's coming off of the uh, sun uh, and it comes off in like bursts, basically. And then uh, it like goes through the universe and then when it uh, hits the earth it encounters the earth's own like magnetic energies uh, at the poles so the cool thing I didn't know this uh, but the northern lights 
are called the Aurora Borealis. Uh, but there, you can also see a similar phenomenon at the South Pole in Antarctica. Um, I forget. It's Aurora something else. But it's like the Aurora Norealis. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's the Capone and Noriega <laughs> skylight show. <laughs> Um, and yeah, so the swirling things that you're seeing are actually like stuff from the sun interacting with our magnetic sphere on Earth. Why can't we see it everywhere? So uh, one, uh, the um, like part of why it happens has to do with like the um, magnetic poles. So you can only see at the poles. And then the other thing is that um, the other conditions that are required to be able to see it are... Uh, when you're in those places is basically like daylight or like the interference of light to be able to see it. So um, the places in the Arctic Circle in the summer, they're not visible at all because also those places experience a thing called midnight sun where the sun never sets really. Why? Um, I don't know that. You don't know that yet. (laughs) I don't know that yet. (laughs) Back to the Northern Lights we go. (laughs) Um, I have seen like video footage of people observing the midnight sun and it is super weird because if like I feel like you know in other places where we don't have midnight sun like when I think about seeing the sun setting it like dips down and then like when dawn happens it like dips up at around the same place that like I remembered it dipping down but in the video that I saw you see the sun at like it's like dipping down towards the horizon but at an angle and then it like when it comes, it dips down and you, it's for a moment, it's just not there. And bounces it just bounces back, back up. up it's like but it's calm. like further along the horizon Whoa. than where it started. Yeah. I don't know what that that's That seems, I feel like I personally could not handle that <laughs> <laughs> at all. Yeah. As a person that I think is more of a dark Is there anywhere person. where it's like endless night? So I think in these same places in the winter, they get very little sunlight, which is Mm. also why they're good places for seeing the Aurora Borealis Mm. is because they get like dark very early and then you get like a long stretch of darkness to be able to try and observe them. So do you observe them just with the naked eye? Yeah. Yeah. You You, can just see them? You can just see them. Uh, The... The thing about the colors is that they're very intensified by um, what you see from like camera footage. So they're like usually when you see color like color like uh, video footage or uh, camera footage of it, they're like super intensely green, and they don't really look like that electric green in person. Um, but you can definitely observe them with the naked eye, and they're. Yeah, it's weird. They kind of look like clouds also. So in the beginning, you're like always like doubting yourself, like cloud or aurora. <laughs> Does it make you feel a little crazy? Like, am I seeing it or am I hallucinating? Absolutely. Like, how badly do I want this? <laughs> <laughs> and then you get to that point in the night where you're like, I'm so cold. Doesn't matter if it's real or not. Right? Yeah. Um, so it's kind of like a shimmery overlapping. I'm imagining like the way a pool looks a little bit. Yeah, you know, you know the like Fantasia show at California. Oh, you mean Fantasmic? (laughs) Yes. Yes. Do I? It's kind of. It looks kind of like that. That kind of shimmeriness, but like in the (laughs) sky. Do you think there's something like you and I are both from and of California deeply, and we had a bonding experience when we realized that we both 
had never seen fireflies in oh, real yeah. life, but had this like great nostalgia for fireflies based on the Pirates of the Caribbean ride. First and best fireflies. First, yeah, because yeah. there's a part at the beginning of the ride before the Pirates part where you just go through the bayou. Yeah. Uh, which I believe is like you're in the bayou and then you're back in time. I'm not. Right. I like not really understanding how that part works. To me, that's the yep. most one of the best parts or the transitions yeah. before you even get into the ride where you're I just also like. I just love that there's a restaurant there. Yeah, the restaurant. Still never been there. I want that clam chowder and a bread bowl so yeah. bad. Um, but yeah, there's the fake fireflies, and then when I saw real fireflies in New York, I hadn't seen them. I'd seen them once maybe as a kid, but. I, my, my brother and I were just like, we are so enchanted that our friends oh, were yeah. just like making fun of us. Because <laughs> we were like, look, we were in like Prospect Park. We were like, there are lights. Like, I had the same experience. I was in New York. I was in Central Park. I was an adult. I'd never seen them as a child. Uh, I didn't think they were real, I think. I right, was you like, thought the Disney version was an exaggeration. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you were like, if there were bugs that lit up, we'd have them in California. Yeah. We love things like that. <laughs> a flashy bug. <laughs> Bring it to Los Angeles. <laughs> uh, yeah, and it was like it, the most magical thing. I was like, wow, I get it. This is this is what all of those movies about New yeah, York are supposed majesty. to try and capture. It yeah. was very hilariously magical. I am also the same way when I see snow. Yeah. Anytime I see snow, I am like, ah, the yeah. sky is making magic. And people are like, it's been like this for months. That was a thing that I loved about going to a very cold place as a Californian This when I was there uh, in Oslo and in Tromso, because everyone was like so over it. But everywhere yeah. I went, I was like, ah. Enchanting. Yeah. Ooh, I drink a warm beverage. <laughs> Wear all the blankets. Um, although it was so cold in Los Angeles. It was. Um, I think while you were gone, too. Yeah. It was, like, record-breakingly cold, and I loved it. <laughs> yeah. I got back... When I got back, uh, I got back at night, and I remember, like, stepping out of LAX, like, to wait for the flyaway bus. And you were and being surprised. Like, and I... Because usually I go to a cold place, and I come back to LA, and, like, my favorite thing is being, ha-ha, we have such great weather all the time. Uh, but then coming home and being like, I will not take off all of the jackets that I had on because I was in Norway. No, it was freezing. And there were a bunch of people from the East Coast here, and they all kept saying it was so cold. And I was like, (laughs) okay, see, we're not crazy. Yeah. But also all our buildings are so badly insulated. It's true. It's true. I do feel like, I do feel like since coming home, I've been colder here indoors than when I was in Norway because they're like used to being cold. Right, because in Norway they're like, we're going to line this yeah. hut with like deer pelts to make it warm. Right. That's what I imagine it's like. It's everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> Have you seen any of the Nordic noir movies? All the no. like mystery movies that take place there? No. Including the snowman. Last episode of Molly's Sleazy Friends was <laughs> Sarah Johnson, The Snowman, check it out. Um, there's a bunch of like uh, thrillers set in that area for the reason I think that it's like very cinematic and also right. uh, the Midnight Sun thing is good for oh, yeah for <laughs> noir <laughs> making people crazy. <laughs> um, yeah, I think I would go very crazy in any kind of uh, all the time sun experience. Yeah, I feel like in both directions, like all the time sun, all the time night, like, 
I like a mixture of, even as a night person, I feel yeah. like if I didn't get see These are all the things I think about, about people thinking they want to live on other planets where I'm like, how would you fix that? Good luck. Right. <laughs> Getting people's internal clocks to adjust <laughs> to like never ending darkness, <laughs> you know, like even if they had it, like I imagine, here's what I imagine. I imagine it would be like a giant casino on Mars. This is like Elon Musk's Mars casino. You would right. have to like light it half the day. Oh yeah. And make you'd have to like pretend it would take humans so long to adjust to that not being the reality anymore that they might just go crazy. Right. Or or everyone lives in like those like, you know, domed type like individual typed uh displays, right? Where it's like everyone has their own like little projection of whatever simulation of weather they want. Oh. That was my favorite thing from that Ray Bradbury story, The Velt, which is supposed to be scary. It is super fucking scary. (laughs) Still, it's about a virtual reality room that the children, like, program to eat the parents. Oh, yeah. Do you know what I'm talking about? There was a comic book version of it also. It made a deep imprint on me because it's spooky as hell. (laughs) (laughs) But also what made an imprint on me was the idea of a virtual reality room. Right. And of being like, oh, a 3D simulation room. Right. Uh, I don't feel like we're there yet still. They had this thing in college that I like checked out called The Cave. Oh, yeah. Did you ever see The Cave? It was a 3D simulation chamber. Um, I didn't get to make anything in it because I couldn't program. Uh, But I did get to do the tutorial or whatever where I got to see it. um, And it was so cool. Oh, yeah. Um, And the thing they used is the programming language was Doom. So, like, all of the environments they made were based on the framework of Doom. Oh, right. You know? So you could, like, walk around in these different environments, but also, like, you're in one place. You don't feel like you're walking around. You're just, like, moving through space with a virtual reality thing. Yeah. Um, It was cool. It did make me be like, I want more things like this to exist. We talk about stuff like this a lot. I'm just like, let's create environments. Do you think you could replicate the northern lights with leds you know i have been thinking about like how do i see more of this without having to go to the arctic circle uh canada I, right yes uh <laughs> oh yeah canada there, there are so many places you can see the northern lights why it's can't wild. you see them everywhere um oh so where we are there's uh the um i think it's something to do with like the magnetic activity or something uh-huh. i think um, like, I think the further away from the poles you get... Right, because the Earth's like, poles are magnetized yeah. for reasons we will never understand. Right. Or maybe you don't understand them. <laughs> um, there's also, like, when you look at... Because the, the, there are, like, lab research labs that, like, publish, like, their monitoring of, uh, like, projected, like, aurora borealis activity. And you can see... Um, on the globe, there's like a ring uh, that forms like right around the um, Arctic Circle um, on the North Pole and then like right around the like South Pole. Um, and I think part of why we can't see it is we're just like further away from like where that activity is happening. Huh. I think. You think? Yeah. So it's not like light pollution. It could. Well, I think that's also that doesn't certainly. Help. Yeah. That doesn't um, help. Well, I will say uh, there was like 
when we saw the more like pinkish colors in the Northern Lights, I was like, you know, coming from LA, I feel like I've seen a pink midnight <laughs> sky. Um, I love more than anything to be overwhelmed by the majesty of nature. Yes. Um, and I feel like it's just, we were talking about like, now I'll be an Aurora chaser for oh, life. Yeah. Oh yeah. But yeah, anytime you see something you've never seen before, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. Um, in Florida, I feel like I saw sunsets where I was like, yeah, we got good sunsets in LA. Mm. This is a different kind of really good sunset. Right. Now I understand the whole color aesthetic here. Uh, it all makes sense. Kept going. Cool. <laughs> um, and yeah. yeah, I have never seen the Aurora Borealis, but we were together in the desert not that long ago and just seeing the sky... Oh, yeah, that was a great sunset. Really blew my mind. Yeah, yeah. and just the stars, just being yeah. able to see all the stars. Yeah, I feel like for, I mean, I, is, part of it is like as an L.A. person, right? Like you grow up thinking that the night sky looks a certain way. <laughs> yeah, well, my parents <laughs> took us to the, de- my parents love the desert. And like when we were kids, we went once and they like took us out somewhere to see yeah. the night sky. And my brother and I both were like, uh, yeah, yeah. We both freaked out, and my parents were like, "Oh no, we have city kids." Yeah, but it was because it was like existentially mind blowing. Oh, yeah. You're not like ready for it, and I'm still like not. It's I don't think you're ever ready for it. Totally. You know, you're like, oh, we put all these lights in this in the cities because otherwise, like, right. we'd all just be walking around with our minds blown by how many stars there are all the time. Yeah. Um, which I would like to do. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't. I wasn't a. I wasn't like. I don't think I'd ever seen the night sky fully dark until I was like an adult. Once we went camping in Catalina, um, but the like wild thing about that is that like where we were, we could see LA, and you could see the like halo of light over the city. Right. It makes um, you realize it's a, a dome of yeah. light pollution. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it was so weird. It was so weird to me also, like, when I finally did leave L.A. talking to people who, like, grew up in places where it gets, like, you Very know, dark, dark yeah. and they can see stars, um, and, like, describing to them what I thought the sky looked was supposed to look like at night, and they were like, no, I've never seen the sky be pink outside <laughs> at night before. <laughs> You're like, sometimes there's just this perfect mix of pollution it's and this beautiful haze. Electromagnetic. <laughs> it is. It's our own Aurora Borealis. Swirly gigs. Um, <laughs> speaking of which, we were talking about something interesting before the podcast that now I want to talk about on the podcast, which is that you were saying there's a bunch of oil wells in Los Angeles. Oh, yeah. And they're all disguised as buildings. Yes, yeah. Uh, and maybe not everybody knows about this. Yeah, I didn't know about it until, like, recently. I was, like, reading some article about the oil wells in Los Angeles. Uh, and, like, I mean, they're the ones that, like, you can see with your naked eye, right? But then they're, like, the Aurora Borealis. Sometimes you have to go chasing. <laughs> <laughs> um. But, yeah, there's these ones that are just, like... They're in buildings in the middle of the city, and like if you were walking by or driving by, you'd never notice them because they look like it's a building that people. It's like work a in. fake office building, and you said yeah. they're all in like densely populated. They're in like neighborhoods. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. So I, I really want to go see what they look like, but they're all there's like some city website I think where they have to list where all of the places are. So like, it is technically a thing that one could look up, but you kind of have to go. I believe. Seeking it. 
one of them might be the Beverly Center. Oh. Has some kind of an oil yeah. thing under it. Could be wrong. Conspiracy theory alert. Believable. No, I think it's real. Yeah. Um, that's why it has the the above ground garage and stuff. Oh. And why like the first like four or five levels are a garage. Right. Um, it's such a weird building in so many ways. It's like the consummate 80s Los Angeles building. It's just Is that P.F. Chang's just fortress. a fortress for, <laughs> for the like lobby Has anyone operations? been in there? Do we know if it's real? Um yeah, and I was saying I also have heard many times but have not verified that the DWP buildings are supposedly, that's the Department of Water and Power for people who are not <laughs> local Angelinos, uh, that the DWP buildings, which are these like kind of beautiful, uh, sometimes Art Deco-y old buildings even, have nothing inside or maybe a giant generator? Yeah. It does, I mean... It does look like nobody works there. I've never seen anyone go in and out yeah. of any of them. And once somebody told me that, I was like, that checks out. Like, it kind of looks like they're just probably housing a big old generator in there. And that's what yeah. the power, the department of power part is. Right. Um, but why build houses around it and fake buildings, I guess, is what we were talking about. And maybe why that is the most L.A. thing you could possibly do. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, 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 part of why I want to see these buildings is I feel like it's, like, I want to just, like, hang out outside and watch no one go in or out and be like, wow. Well, it's also hard to distinguish from the other buildings that are, like, owned by developers and nobody lives in. Right. You know, you're like, wow, what percentage of buildings are, like, being used? Right. Actually, yeah. um, I've always been a fan of the Palm Tree cell phone towers. I do love those. <laughs> I do. <laughs> do you th- I, I guess I want to know, like, do people, does that exist other places? And if so, like, what is the local iteration of palm tree cell phone towers right. in other places? Ooh, I wonder. It would be great. Are if- there, like, pine tree ones? Right. Like, um, perhaps a cactus? No, that would still be here. (laughs) I was thinking a a Joshua tree one would be Again, these are still... But these are all still, yeah. (laughs) They would have to be more just like real deciduous trees. Right. I Uh, guess they have to be tall, right? That's the whole point. What's a thing that's tall? um, I do spend a lot of time like touching plants to see if they're real. Yeah. Because they are not always real. They're not. They're not. Sometimes it's very surprising. Um, I was at a park recently that I go to all the time. I will maybe not reveal it, but it is. uh, I found a concrete tree that I like looked at many times. And then I was like, is that tree made out of concrete? And I went over to touch it. I like hiked down a little bit to like touch it. And it was concrete. I was like, well, I just thought it was a desiccated tree stump all this time. It's concrete. (laughs) What if there's an oil derrick inside of it? What if that's the sign of our simulation having a bug in it? Uh, (laughs) We just, like, increasingly find more concrete things. Well, let's talk about our simulation having a bug in it. Yeah. So I mean, clearly. Clearly it does. I went on, I did a UCB show uh, with my friend Kate Raft, did a presentation called uh, Bradley Cooper's The Star is Born Takes Place in an Alternate Universe Where 9-11 Never Happened. Wow. Uh, and then she proved it with slides, and it was very believable. Um, and then I brought in the idea that, this is my brother's idea, really, but he was like, what if, what if Y2K happened, and that's when the split was? Oh. And we're in the bad universe with the dud Y2K. Yeah. 
Um, not that the other universe is necessarily good, just different, as right. Russian Doll goes into deeply. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, but do you think it's just comforting for people to think that we live in a simulation because things are so bad? It's like, what else could it be? Yeah, I think, well, yeah, I think we just want to feel like there were choices and that there can right, be right, choices. Right, right, right. We're not, like, stuck in this Doesn't everyone line. feel that way about their lives? Yeah. Where you're like... Mm. It's a mix. Right. <laughs> I think what I relate to about Russian Doll is I'm like, sometimes I would just like a do-over on things. Right. You know? How do we get the endless, the endless repetition button? How do you get to control it, I guess? How do you get to be the coder? Right. That's what everybody wants. <laughs> Not to be the player avatar, <laughs> but to be in charge of the game. <laughs> um, what video games are you playing right now? Um, if any, I'm not playing any. I'm trying to think. Am I playing anything? Right? I'm not playing anything right now. Um, I've been playing a lot of Tetris, just uh, generally. Um, I've been playing Learn Norwegian. Oh yeah, that's a good game. <laughs> <laughs> I need to play that game on my phone instead of Bubble Witch Three, which is my number one real game that I always play. Haven't upgraded to Bubble Witch 4. Just keep it at Bubble Witch 3 forever. <laughs> they make newer versions. I just stay. Stay with Bubble Witch 3. Delete a Bubble Witch 2 off my phone. That was a big step wow. for me. Wow. I was like, I don't need to play because I don't allow myself to spend money on it. Yeah. That's how I do it. Don't allow myself to spend money on it. So I run out of lives all the time, and then you have to like wait half an hour. You know, They're like, no more lives for half an hour Wow. Uh, unless you pay us. And that was usually when I would go to Bubble Witch 2. <laughs> Be like, got some lives over there. Um, and then I was like, no. I will force myself to wait that half hour so that I can't just always be playing this game that does nothing for me or my life. You it's recognize satisfying. it didn't spark you joy. And then you It does said- spark me joy. <laughs> <laughs> That's the real problem. I only play puzzle games and... Uh, role playing games, but I not anymore. Love a puzzle game. Yeah, like yeah. the game that I was addicted to in high school was Snood. Oh yeah. Did you play Snood? I it's essentially it, Bubble yeah. Witch. Yeah. And before that, Bust a Move. Again, oh, yeah. the same yeah. game. Yeah. <laughs> With the dinosaurs from uh, Bubble Bobble. Right. Also love Bubble Bobble. Yeah. That's my number one video game of all time. Um, yeah, I guess when I think about like what would I design if I were designing a video game. It would be a puzzle game. It would have to be. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. I Yeah, I've been thinking about what a game I would want to design is, and I've been thinking about, like, what if you took all of the, like, properties of a fighting game, but you, like, removed all of the, like, sensory layers for them? So, like, because I think it's interesting how, like, people who get super into fighting games cannot seem to understand <coughs> basic, like, social things. <laughs> And I want to do this experiment where you're like, I'm going to train you to understand these things. Like, we train you to understand, like, how to respond to a fighting game Use Fortnite to create empathy. Basically, yeah. Um, I would love for someone to do that. (laughs) That's a great idea. Um, Get, yeah, I mean, that's the thing in general. I think it's just, like, if you're, like, a gal who likes video games or comics or music or... Anything. Art, really, any, really anything. Um, you just are constantly against a tide of 
of uh, things you would never be interested in. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> you have to. Yeah, I mean, again, I think that was why it was nice to see, like, Natasha Leone playing somebody in that environment because right. she's such a, like, person who doesn't seem to give a fuck about... I mean, yeah. or that or at least the character, you know. Right. It was nice to see somebody who isn't, like, polite and self-effacing right. uh, be portrayed as somebody who's good at coding. Yeah. Or just the idea that people that are good at coding come in many forms. They aren't just, like, a particular type of Silicon Valley nerd. Right. Right? Yeah. Um, all the female coders I know have responded very well to Russian Doll. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and also to Paul Verhoeven's L. Yep. <laughs> and Halt and Catch Fire. Yep. Yeah, because I was saying, too, is I was like, are people, like, you know, is, does it not get it right enough? And everyone's like, no, no, we're just happy that, like, somebody's trying yeah. to, like, demonstrate that, like, women also <laughs> yeah. are interested in this. Because it go yeah, because it goes to such, like, you know, there's obviously all this, like, men's rights... Uh, stuff that kind of like draws these binaries of like men's brains are like this and right. women's brains are like this and this brain this kind of brain doesn't know how to do these things uh and i think it's all bullshit but i also think that people can be programmed the way that you're saying like you could program people with an empathy game right um how would we do that it's uh, like you get the marshmallow if you do something nice for exactly. somebody. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Every time you kill someone in the game and you rip out their heart, you like give it to them as a Valentine. <laughs> I actually loved Mortal Kombat, I will say. I was huge into Mortal Kombat for some reason. I think also just because it was like that was what the neighbor boys had. Right. So I participated in socializing. Yeah. Um, I I like Super Smash Brothers for a similar reason. I love reason. Super Smash Brothers. Yeah. Um, I just found out. I was just talking to someone that in the new Super Smash Brothers, I guess there's a piranha plant Ooh. character that you can play. And he was telling me, he was like, yeah, it's actually like kind of hard to play against because like it doesn't have feet. So you like can't <laughs> anticipate what it's going to do like you can with other characters. And I was like, that is crazy. First of all, that people are playing Super Smash Brothers like that because I feel like I'm just like, oh. Oh, it's the button mashiest yeah. game for me. That's what I well, like about what it. what I can do. I play fighting games like full button mash. Oh, yeah. And that's why I enjoy it. Yeah. <laughs> it's because of the sort of brainlessness of it. And because I don't care if I lose. Right. Like, my ego's not in it. Right. I like Super Smash Brothers a lot. Yeah. Um, who's your fighter in Super Smash Brothers? I like all the really annoying ones because I also am a button masher. And so I feel like the ones that do, like, annoying things are really fun because, like, they're they just get in everyone's way. So I just like run around and then I smash things. So I really like Meta Knight, for example. Oh my God. I love that like head drift he does that like I know is not effective if you're trying to win anything, but I'm not. Why is he a Meta Knight? <laughs> That's what I want to know. Right. He's like a self-aware knight. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, why am I a medieval class warrior in this day and age? Um, he's filled with self-loathing, and that's why his horns come out. I play Kirby. Oh, yeah. I love Kirby's a Kirby. Great. I like Jigglypuff. I love Jigglypuff. I like all the oh, smallos. <laughs> yeah. I love Jigglypuff. I love that Jigglypuff's, like, killer thing is, like, singing people yeah, to yeah, sleep. Yeah. yeah. It's so cute. That's not the song, but it's my Jigglypuff. <laughs> Anything that's, like, cute but deadly is my favorite. Yes. <laughs> 
Um, Pikachu also is yeah. good for that. Yeah. Um, who do you play in Mario Kart? In Mario, well, okay, so this one's tough because since the Wii U Mario Kart, uh, my favorite character is no longer playable. So I, I really like Birdo on the Wii version of Mario Kart. Uh, but Birdo's gone, sadly. So I don't know. Now I kind of just like bounce around to all the like pink characters. Yeah. Like pink I was reading about Birdo. Birdo is like a, a pan gender icon. Yeah. <laughs> um, a male, supposedly a male that lays eggs. Yes. That's what I've heard. From their mouth. Yeah. Yeah. Again, I love. From their face. <laughs> love Birdo. Yeah. Love the face mouth that lays eggs. Um, Berta also wears a diaper and a giant um, diamond ring. Does it does it have a bow also? Yes, a, mm. a giant bow yeah. on their heads. Yes, yeah. I uh, love Berto. No wonder yeah. you played as Berto. Yeah, I always play Yoshi. Yoshi's yeah, Yoshi's sometimes also princess. Good. Sometimes I'll now do because like on the newer ones you can change the color of some of the characters. So mm-hmm. sometimes I'll do a pink Yoshi, which I feel Ooh. like comes close to <laughs> comes close to your heart. It's like one, it's <laughs> what it's what. So sometimes I play pink Yoshi, and then sometimes I play. Um, What's that Koopa kid? Wendy. Oh, Wendy. Because oh. I feel like Wendy's like she's, a, she's named for Wendy oh. O. Williams. Oh, is that great? Because there's great. like a programmer. Oh, right. All of them are and, like named after musicy people. I think so, I think but so? specifically, yeah. she's named after Wendy O. Williams, which is yeah. so cool because she is like a little basher. Yeah, she's so I love like a like a lady <laughs> Bowser. So good. Um, I just wanted to wrap up maybe by talking a little bit about magic. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, another thing you've plunged yourself into in the past year is magic. Yes. Yeah. The art of the sleight of hand. Yeah. Yeah. Um, can you tell me a little bit how you got into magic, how you got jumped into the magic circle? Uh, so my friend Nancy, who is a real magician, has been like a member of the Magic Castle for like, I think this is her 10th year or something. Uh, she started inviting me to like tag along with her and go see shows at the Magic Castle. Uh, and that was awesome because I got to see <laughs> lots of really cool magic. Uh, and I think the thing that like I was super stoked about was that magic is like equal parts. Like I figured out how to like engineer a situation to make you think a thing happened but then also like the storytelling part so it's like very both like left brain right brain like perfect synergy flowing um but the other thing that i found out about magic is that uh historically magic has been very uh white male dominated and as a lady engineer having realized how enjoyable it is to occupy spaces where you are not represented i was like yeah i'm gonna do magic next once you do one you're sort of like well i might as well like occupy like i might as well do all the things i'm interested in yeah sometimes i'm like should i occupy space and like things i'm actively not interested in right you know just because they're male dominated and then i'm like no (laughs) (laughs) i should not waste my time Trying to get into something I have not I don't gotten care into about. like investment banking, for no, example, or like sports gambling, right? You know, right. Or like yeah. they could use a little, 
little of my presence, but also I'd be bad at it. So yeah. I might hurt the cause actually. Right. <laughs> They'd be like, look at how bad women are at this okay. thing. <laughs> <laughs> Although I was forced to play poker last night by friend of the podcast, Andrew T. Um, and I had the best time I've ever had playing poker, oh, cool. which is like, I've only ever played poker forced uh, to play it, you yeah. know, where somebody's like, we're playing now. Right. You're here. Um, or when you go to a group socialization situation and then people start playing a game and it's like you're not allowed to not play. Right. <laughs> My nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> That's your Russian doll. <laughs> well, again, I also had a fun time with that recently. I was forced to play a trivia game and I had a great time. So yeah. I was like, maybe I don't even know what I like. Maybe I just like to be forced to play games. <laughs> um <laughs> But poker, I was like, also like, ooh, cards. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's fun to have cards. And Andrew had gotten, he was getting into like stacking poker chips and shuffling them. Oh, cool. And I was like, you are just a hop skipping away. For, from magic. From magic. Yeah. Um, so you've been doing magic for like several months now. Yeah. Almost I started year, in maybe? like August of last year. Wow. Yeah. I thought it was longer because you got good really fast. Oh, thanks. <laughs> That's the magic part. I made time seem different. Well, you magic. you took me to see a show at the Magic Castle that blew my mind completely because I had never seen live magic, I realized. Or maybe yeah. I've seen it. I've seen... Penn and Teller, right? Uh, who I actually love. Yeah. I had gone to see like a live Penn and Teller show. It was very like bloody. I remember, and I was sort of like, "This is very disturbing," and also like amazing, right. <laughs> amazing stagecraft and magic. Because um, I love spectacle. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I really hadn't seen magic since then, and I was like, "Oh, it's so different to be in person." For something like this than to be watching it on TV. Yeah, like the Aurora Borealis magic you in person. You have to be there in person. <laughs> See, I think that's like what all the theater people would always say. Yeah. And I was like, come on. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, that's not true for plays necessarily. I mean, it is true, but also like, fuck off. You yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, get it out there however you can. Right. But with magic, it's really like you see something your eyes cannot believe. Right. Much like the Aurora Borealis to bring yes. it all through, like a Mr. Show episode where they <laughs> tie all the plot lines up. I am overrating what I'm doing right now. Um, yeah, it's like you see you see something and you're just like, what the fuck is that? Yeah. And we saw a show that was like uniquely amazing where three magicians who were friends and hadn't seen each other in a while oh, yeah. did magic together separately and together. And one of them pulled like a was it like a bunny out of a a puppy (laughs) a live bunny out of a live puppy out of a hat yeah yeah I that that stuff is like it's true it's like it's so different when you see it in person and I don't I think that is also a thing that I like about magic is I like increasingly as our lives become digital blah 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 it's a thing you have to do in person yeah I like things that require you to be in spaces with other people Right, and it's a thing you that works best. Like obviously, close up magic is like so intimate. Right. It's like therapy. You're yeah. like close reading somebody. Yeah, uh, and they have to do things that you tell them to do. Right. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, oh. I like that part of magic too. I I have this fantasy of like so I I I really like those like magic heist movies the mm-hmm. now you see me's no you do not come on <laughs> well what i like about those them, movies betray the logic of magic it's true it's true but what those movies do what i do like about those movies is the notion that like they give money away for free that you can use magic to control like corporate assholes right, right. that is the thing right like because like a lot of magicians who are like very talented like they end up like day to day to make a living they like do like corporate gigs and like it's like corporate team building magic show mm-hmm, something or mm-hmm. other uh but i love the idea of like becoming a mag- magician like on the like corporate scene but like using that to like <laughs> change people's minds about capitalism mm-hmm. oops <laughs> but yeah i was constructing a more elaborate scam whereby you become like the president you do like a theranos and like wow. get to yeah. the head of a scam company and then you take all the money and you're like i gave it to public schools maybe that's what jeff bezos is working up towards he's like i just gotta get a little richer. that is for sure not what he is doing <laughs> <laughs> um it's what none of them are doing that's the whole problem yeah, I keep waiting for one of them to just like pull off their face mask and be like, ha ha, but it's still me. <laughs> yeah, or just for one of them to see like the PR benefit of being like, I'm the one who's not evil, right. but they're all evil because they have so much money. That's of course they're evil. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I also was going to say, like, what if you're just a pickpocket? Yeah, yeah. What if you're just a really good pickpocket? Totally, yeah. There are so many things about the skills that, like, you have to acquire as a magician that align with someone who's, like, a socialist that, yeah. Um, Is hypnosis real? Uh, I'm going to be that person who's like, what do you mean real? Uh, (laughs) Or why do you mean hypnosis? Sure, that would have been my follow-up, yeah. (laughs) I think, I think... um, there, there are ways to make someone believe something uh, through the cues of like verbal and nonverbal. Do you think like, that Darren stuff. Brown stuff is real? All the like subliminal programming. Oh, yeah. You think yeah. it's real? Linguistic programming is real. Oh yeah. So why don't we just use that to like take over the world? Exactly. <laughs> <Oops>. <laughs> How do we get all this like, yeah, we have to like turn all this stuff that's like gamifying like yeah. the universe um, to the benefit of the people who could actually use it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, and then we have to build fake companies and put fake buildings up <laughs> and that and that's why we're gonna go find all the buildings that have oil drills in them we're gonna get rid of the oil drills and then what we them. do is we just put a logo for a company on one of the oil drill buildings and then everybody will be like what's that company right. and then it's our company and it's like Emma Nose. <laughs> and then we present you and you're like this is our headquarters like no one's allowed inside Right. It's top secret. No one can go in. <laughs> and the city won't want to address it because then they'll have to talk about the oil derricks yeah. all over Los Angeles. Um, and then we take all their money and then we land in a helicopter in Las Vegas. Is that what happens? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We definitely end up in Las Vegas is what I know. Man, I do love Las Vegas. Maybe we gamble the money a little with my new poker playing skills. We like a little bit gamble to right. make like double or triple it. And then 
we scale the Luxor pyramid. Oh, yeah. And we let the bats dispense it at the top. <laughs> the ore drones bats. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, bats are so much cooler than drones. I feel like um, if only drones. Could be bats. Could be bats. Yeah. I hope the bats win. Oh, they will for sure win. They take them down. Hawks. We've seen those hawks take them down. That's true. Nothing is more satisfying (laughs) than a hawk taking down a drone. Um, That's the best feeling in the world is watching nature. That's why those Werner Herzog movies are so good. And why we both watch the show Naked and Afraid now all the time. (laughs) (laughs) Just watching people be conquered by nature is like, you're like, yeah, that's right. Yeah, again, it's it's humbling to be reminded that nature is like, I am so much more all-encompassing and powerful I'm so much bigger than you. You You can't even imagine it. Yeah, my brother and his wife Priya went to the Grand Canyon. And all the pictures they sent, I was like... It looks like you're in front of a, like a green screen of the Grand Canyon. Yeah. My mind cannot conceive that this is a real place <laughs> and that you are there. I've only been to the Grand Canyon once and it was like on a whim when I was like 18 over like a President's Day weekend. We were like, I've never been to the Grand Canyon. Let's go. Uh, and then we drove out there uh, and I remember getting out of the car and looking at it. And like the first thing I like said was, it's so big. Like, it's so big. And I felt so dumb for saying it. But it was like, there was nothing else to say about it. It's so, yeah, it's like unreally big. It's crazy it's that it's there. Yeah. It's crazy that the earth made it. Yeah. That it's there and that you could just sort of fall into it. I think oh, yeah. I'm like, I'm afraid to go. Yeah. Because I'm afraid that I will like, you know. Yeah. Look, take a selfie and fall off the edge. Right. But it also must be amazing to see. I'm more afraid actually of like standing on the glass thing where you're like overlooking it. That to me is the scariest thing. Oh, yeah. That they built a glass thing over the overhang. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I feel like I would, I all, I've been on a couple of those glass things and as I like, I'm not usually, I don't have much of a like fear of heights. I can go on a roller coaster, but like those glass things are terrifying. Well, so the Grand Canyon, yeah, is terrifying, right? As it should be. <laughs> <laughs> we should all be terrified of nature, but respectfully terrified, right? Right. Um, even when I see a rainbow, I'm like, "What the fuck? Yeah, how does that happen? I don't really know. Yeah, why does it happen?" I also don't know. (laughs) Um, What other natural phenomenon would you like to see now? Lava. Ooh. Really when I see lava. Where can you see lava? So I think you can see lava in Hawaii, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, Active? Or... Yeah. Uh, I think there are, like, places where you can go to see it. And then... I feel like there are other places also. Um, I would perhaps hike a dead volcano. Yeah. Probably too afraid to hike a live volcano. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I feel like I would want to hike a... I'd want to be, like, ideally... Away from the lava. Away from it, but still able to see it flowing. Like, I, I have an image of, like, being in a boat. Was there a lot of lava in the 80s for some reason? Was there? Just in movies. Yeah, is that part of why or like lava cartoons? Lust I feel like, like yeah, lava. It's like permanently encoded. Quicksand. 
Yeah, quicksand. I for sure I feel like part of my lava lust and and quicksand lust come from playing like the Mario Nintendo games. Oh yeah, that's the best lava. Yeah, <laughs> I always loved that level where you are on the bone raft over yeah. the lava because I was I would be like, look, it's Pirates of the Caribbean. In fact, absolutely, that's where my lava <laughs> lava lust comes from. <laughs> wow, I never thought about that. Yes, ideally, I would like to see lava from a bone raft. <laughs> <laughs> As I approach the castle of my nemesis Bowser. Yes. Yep. Um, well, thank you so much, Emma, for yeah. coming on this podcast to talk about the Northern Lights, Russian Doll, yeah, magic, um, and fake buildings that have oil derricks inside of them. Yeah. Uh, and thanks to the Molly Sleazy Friends listeners for listening, and uh, more new episodes coming soon. See you then.